Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another serving of Business Soup Talk Radio. If it's in business, it's Business Soup. I'm your host, John Dibbavoise. Well, I'm out riding the range every day, finding the best tips, tools, and techniques, and I found myself one. This young gentleman, Alex Kuhn, will be joining us. He's going to be talking about how to be a born leader. Well, you've got it inside of you. How can you get that out and be the boss that is expected of you? Don't let his young age fool you. He became the youngest NCAA coach and established himself as a game-changing leader. So tune in, sit down, because we're going to be talking about clarity, connection, and conviction, and how you can take advantage of this young man's smarts, because I serve it up right here here at the table each and every time with Business Soup, where business comes for business. Alex, welcome to this serving of Business Soup. John, so, so good to be here. As are we. And you have a background of being raised on a farm, so you understand what it means about the work isn't done until the work is done. Doesn't matter when the sun goes down. It's no different than any other pursuit. You've also been quite the the swimmer and coach in, in the NCAA categories. How has that type of training transpired you into the type of business leader that you have with your company, Born to Lead? John, I think, you know, being you know, from one person that was on a farm to another, you know, my father always gave me advice as a, as a young boy that said, listen, if you want to love your life, you better love working because if you want to do something, you're going to have to work for it. And I think just having that attitude, whether it was being in a, a swimmer that aspired to the Olympics, whether it was my first jobs making $12,000 a year as an assistant swim coach working 90 hours a week trying to recruit the best athletes to Wait a minute, you were getting 12 you were getting $1,000 a month. Wow. It was it was a big paydays. Big Betcha. paydays. I literally lived off of the subway tickets. Subway at the time had the buy four get five free and we had a big swim team so I would say go to subway, buy your subs but give me the ticket so I can actually eat and uh, be able to coach you guys. But but I just work ethic to me is just such an integral piece. There's no such thing as hours. It's just loving what you're doing and doing it the best you possibly can. So when I pick up the phone and I call Alex Kuhn at Born to Lead, what am I looking to accomplish? Who am I? What kind of business would I be since my audience are small business owners? I say, you know what? I heard that Alex on that program, Business Soup. I'm going to give him a call. And when I pick up the phone, call you, what are you going to tell me? Yeah, John, I mean, I think obviously the born to lead, the word that's, you know, everyone gravitates toward, which is my obsession, my passion, my my meta skill that I love to teach everybody is leadership. And I believe really for so many small business owners that are listening to this incredible podcast that I believe that leadership is one of those areas that time and time again gets talked about. But nobody understands really how to apply that into a business setting that moves the needles. You hear it all the time in athletics of coaches talking about culture and all these buzzwords. And yet you don't see sports coaches when they're trying to drive their athletes to be better leaders on the field. There's specific things they're looking for. I haven't seen those things actually being applied as much into the business world. So my thought was very simply as this, is that I'm seeing so many entrepreneurs and so many small business owners that are basically using, like they're basically not using the talents that come naturally to them, that they're doing so much of the work that doesn't come naturally to them, that they're losing what made them special, that made them unique. And my rule is to make sure that they build a business, not trying to fit themselves into the business, but truly build a business around what makes them that unique leader, what they're unique talents and ultimately help them find the team members that are going to complement them. 
You talk as though you've been up on stage there with, oh, who's that guy? Anthony Robbins. You know, he's, he could be your father at least. How did you get this knowledge and understanding of how to be such a leader? You're a young guy in my book. I know you've got the credit of, at 12 years of age. You were coaching already. That was quite a feat in, in of itself. So where did you learn all of this? Is there a mentor program, book? How did you become such a good projector of leadership skills at such a young age? One of the things that comes so naturally to me is just the idea of questioning everything. And I've been that way since I was as young as I possibly could, you know, to the point where I saw my parents and, you know, we were on a farm and they had all these cucumbers. I'm hearing them speak like, what are we going to do with all these cucumbers? And I said, hey, why not put a stand on the side of the road? And hearing like, well, I'll put the sign up, put 25 cents and just sit there, you know, have some water for them. No, no, no. I'm like, okay, I got to put a sign at the end of the road where there's more traffic, right? So I'm questioning everything. And, and one of the things time and time again, I think as well, is it allowed me to get into leadership positions in every aspect of my life from a very young age all the way to what I'm doing today. And as a result, the things I kind of look at where people say, well, this is what leadership is. Like leadership, you need a mission statement and you need core values. And I hear all these platitudes, but yet when I see these successful leaders, I don't hear them talking about those pieces. I don't see that being the way they inspire their staff. I see them using their specific skills. What you know makes you know Anthony Robbins great as a leader is may not work for somebody else, but yet we see people trying to do this copycat method. But really, isn't the leader supposed to be different Aren't they supposed to be unique? Aren't they supposed to kind of come from a place of strength and to use that to impact others' lives? I think the problem for many people is that they just don't understand what their own leadership strengths are. And more importantly, they don't give themselves the opportunity to trust that skill and apply it in whatever their goal and vision is. And for me, I've had a lot of success doing it with you know, many small business and entrepreneur people all over the world. So it's I'm grateful for it. But to me, it's just the one area that so much talk about marketing and sales and, you know, financial analysis and, you know, whatever buzzword there is, but yet leadership, I think is getting lost. And I think it's time to actually look at what really matters when it comes to businesses and how to actually apply leadership for them. So many of us get into business, not because we sat down and did a plan and, and we turned a passion into a business. Restaurants are notorious for that. People will say, this is great. You should have your own restaurant. I've been told that, but that's only three dishes that I could serve that I'm really good at. So they start this, but then they discover that there's more to owning a business than that skill set that got them into that business. There's all of these other elements that you have to learn about. And if you don't do them right, my audience knows this line, if you don't do something right, there's a government entity that will come along and remind you of what you did wrong. <laughs> And you don't know all these. How do you teach somebody that calls you up? They're already in business, but it's not doing what they want. How do they break it down? What are the top five things that you tell them? This is what you need to do in order to get the results that you want from the people that you have around you. It's so funny how sometimes we look at business and we try to complicate it on the millions of things we do. But if we look at what really it takes to make a business, I think all of us, no matter where you're coming in, we can look at so many of these areas and say, okay, if I do these three things well, even if I don't actually figure out the other stuff, I can get help. I can find people who know that stuff. 
And so I'll focus first and foremost on the leader themselves. They really have got to have like a truly high level of honesty with themselves. They've got to be able to understand like, this is what I do know. This is what I don't know. And be able to make quick, decisive decisions. I think that's one of the most important things when it comes to anybody starting a business, whether it's from their passion or not. I think that's the first thing. Now, getting just into the real business things, do you have a product or service or you know whatever you're selling? Is it perceived as valued on the market? So often people think, well, this is going to help everybody. This is going to make the biggest difference. But if your customer doesn't perceive the value in it, they're not going to spend their money on it. That's I think right. that's the second thing. The third thing I think so often that happens is, is that because when you actually find, once you have that product, once you actually have that, are you willing to actually take some risk and find people that are going to be able to A, deliver the product and service that's necessary, and or B, to allow you to do that part and to cover up some of the other areas. People go too far in this entrepreneur and small business alone. They rely on themselves so much time and time again. And I will tell you, I was the, I'm almost a hypocrite when I say that because for many years, for the first four years of my entrepreneurial experience, I try to do it myself. I can figure this out. I can read the books. I can do this. And I, I think it's a great, it's great to learn. It's great to have that growth mindset. Right. But you, you're learning how the elements that are a part of your business. But if you try and do it all, you're going to be taking one step forward oftentimes and two step backwards because there just isn't enough hours in the day to run the business. And if you've got a family and you want to keep them, well, you got to take them into the equation as well. Well, having a uh, two-year-old, uh, well, I should say an upcoming two-year-old and a wife, yes, they like to see me at night. They like to see me on the weekends. They, they want me actually to be around too. And you're right, I think. And even sometimes I tell my clients, I listen, as soon as you see something that says, oh, this is a DIY, you know, this is a do-it-yourself. Like you don't need anybody to do this, build this website or, you know, put together this marketing plan or put together whatever email sequence. I advise you to run because I will tell you something. I've never found a DIY thing that actually doesn't take a lot of learning, a lot of time, a lot of skill to actually do. So to me, it's the ability for so many people to say, to let go of their ego and actually allow people to lead other areas of their business. Well, it kind of reminds me of my skill sets or lack thereof of automobile repair. There's me doing the repairs and the length of time that it takes me to do it. And then the length of time it takes for the tow truck to come rescue me. And then the money I spend at the mechanic to undo that which I did and fix it to where it should be. It's managing your time and putting a value to your time. And I have since learned that I may look good with my toolbox, but that doesn't mean I know how to turn a wrench. And speaking of the spark, how do you get that football coach's inspiration to get the team built up and that spark, like a spark plug, just, you know, zap them and get them going and, and have them positive. You know, like when you when you come out of an Anthony Robbins seminar, my God, you're, you hit that door and you're ready to take on the world. The funny thing is, is that not every leader is designed to be an inspirational character. I mean, that's just actually what we call it success DNA. And for me, I'm, I'm a natural motivator. That's a very easy, natural skill for me to get people to buy in the visions and buy in the goals and buy in the dreams. And I think we always think about that as a leader. 
But let's be clear, there are leaders in so many ways. And if we just take the definition of your job is to use your skill set to impact people, I think the first thing is understanding is, is that your natural way of leading? And if it's not, what is your natural way of leading? But for those that are actually natural motivators, and those are that in any leadership positions, and this is a thing I do with all my teams and all my investments and everything, I say, listen, if you're not figuring out ways to make sure that you're helping that person achieve their own dreams, then why would you ever expect that person to come back and help them achieve your dream? And whether it's, you know, Susan, who works with me day, day in and day out, or, you know, anybody, right? You know, at the end of the day, if I'm not asking questions about what is making them feel alive, what are they trying to do? If I ask them to, to stay late, if I ask them to do this extra thing, if I ask them to go outside of their skill set, why would they do that if they don't think I care deeply enough about what they want in life? So for any leader, I think it's a very easy way to start shifting your mindset and to say, if I help somebody else, they're going to always want to come back and help me. I want to talk about the message. If I want to deliver a message and I'm asking Alex, Alex, how do I build this message that is going to be the hook? So many entrepreneurs, and I'm the same way, I know my business plan verbatim, all 300 and some odd pages, and I could bore you to death by reciting it. But that doesn't mean that you're going to understand it. How do I deliver that message in that elevator pitch that used to be 90 seconds and now I'm learning is that my audience or that the audience in front of me has the attention span of a goldfish. So how do you get their attention and hook them? I love that you asked me this question, John, because this is like literally probably 95% of the first conversations I have with every single small business owner. And let's make it simple. Let's make it real simple. What does somebody need to know if they're going to say, yes, I want to learn more about you or buy your product and or no? And there's really three things, clarity, connection, and conviction. And let's just simply break those down. Clarity simply means that, do you have a relevant topic? Is the first line a sentence that somebody is interested in. And a very simple one we see maybe almost, uh, you know, overused too much is I help blank do blank. You know, you see that from a lot of coaches and trainers, but it can be anything. But you got to be able to make sure that that first line is very relevant. I always love to use the Roomba. The Roomba probably is my favorite type invention in the entire world because I hate <laughs> cleaning and therefore I know it's cleaning my carpets, right? So if the first line is, would you like a vacuum that you never have to run yourself? That's a clear line. That's very intriguing, if, especially if you hate cleaning. So that's what we talk about a clarity line. The second is connection. And this is the idea of how well can you create a very short story or short analogy to under, make sure the person understands this is for them. So if you're selling something very emotional, you know, very personal development based, right? You want to talk about the person and what they feel and where they are and where they want to go. But if you're selling the product, again, using the Roomba, right? It's saying, listen, I used to be the guy who'd have to wind the cord and unplug it and figure out where the outlet was and vacuum. And then all of a sudden the, the cord would come out of the wall and I just couldn't stand it. So I wanted a device where I could literally push a button and in fact, I could set a schedule and never have to worry about my carpets getting clean with me doing it. That's connecting. That's understanding and empathizing with your audience. So they actually say, this product, this service, this program, this business gets what I'm feeling. And then finally, the third piece is very simply the conviction. 
And the conviction is truly, as you kind of said, the action or reaction. And very right. simply, this could be the call to action. This could be if you're if you're immediately selling the product, it's like, listen, you can go out and think about how many hours you're spending, you know, vacuuming your carpet by yourself. Like, think about that. That's two, three hours every single week you're saying. And this Roomba here is $300. Imagine what you could do with three extra hours every single week that you don't have to vacuum your carpet. Boom. You either have to instantly say yes or no, I'm going to buy it, I'm not going to buy it. Or if it's a lead magnet, whatever it is. But so often we make these messages seem to have to be like seven minute video sales letters. But if you really just focus on those three pieces, 95% of the time, your message will become so much clearer and ultimately your audience is going to instantly know if it's for them or not. And that's clarity, connection, and conviction. Correct. I will insert this. And I'm older than you. And from my experience, do not at any time ever buy your wife a vacuum, whether it's a Roomba or anything else as a gift, like a birthday gift. Do not do that. And I speak from experience. Best advice ever, period. (laughs) My wife and I, we actually got uh, our Roomba as one of our wedding gifts. So it was one of those situations where I was like, you know what? I mean, when I saw it on there, I was like, you know, we're going through our, you know, wedding registry and stuff like that. I'm like, we should do this Roomba there. And she's like, okay, sure. Because I got out of the idea of like, okay, I'm going to have to go buy this down the road. And now we already got it. (laughs) There's so many opportunities out there. And I tell people on my program for over 20 years, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just learn to put a spoke in it, make it turn smoother, faster, go further And when you find that spoke, you're going to find that, well, one spoke leads to another. And John, I obviously talked a lot about this. And like, I literally wrote down all the cool businesses you built. And obviously, we talked about motivating as one of those leadership components. But it's kind of that we think of this as this like, you know, like unattainable skill. But it's the idea of having visionary. And all that simply means to me is being able to anticipate or see what others don't and being able to work towards that opportunity. And that's what you showed me. Like literally when you're talking about your businesses and what you're doing, it's a skill. And I know at some level, yes, it may be innate in some people, but it's still a skill. Visionary doesn't have to be this, you know, uh, Elon Musk figuring out how to put satellites and take over space. It can literally, you can literally look in your world right now. I bet every small business owner, I bet right now, it probably would be a challenge to everybody out there. Every day you wake up, And just write down, look at your industry and just write down five things that you either A, think your customers want, B, your customers are pissed about, or C, that nobody is doing because they don't know how to do it. You start writing those ideas down every single day. And what you'll find is that you'll start to come back and gravitate towards one. And you'll also start to hear it out in the world. Like whether you're a universe person or whether you're, you know, a psychology person, but often the things that people are missing, you start to notice the patterns about it. I think it's one of the most underutilized skills by every small business owner and one that can easily practice just by doing that simple exercise daily. Absolutely. And recognizing opportunity is where the money's at in technology with apps. I see these apps all the time where they take a task and they make it simple. Because what I learned in my businesses and as I'm applying them forward with this program is that if you don't do it for them, they won't do it at all. So if you can come up with that idea in whatever industry you are in, 
that will do the process, fill out the form, do anything that they have to do in order to accomplish a task, do it for them, and all they have to do is hit send. A lot of business is just making things simpler for people, easier for people, literally taking the work out of their hands, quite simply. Amazon capitalized on that, that one click, would you like this now? And you go, well, you know what, John? Everybody who bought this also bought these things. Well, that looks good, too. Oh, one (laughs) click. So, yes, they know how to make it look like Christmas around here every day. Well, I always love the the conversation with Amazon because I always ask somebody, how many people have you actually spoken to at Amazon? Like, how many times have you actually, like, I've never picked up the phone to talk to Amazon. Like, I maybe have sent a message. But literally, you think about Amazon, they just consistently are like, hmm, what do people need and where do they need it and what part of the steps process there? And of course, it's a gigantic company. Of course, they have people. And of course, people have talked to people. But I think it does go back to this idea of, listen, they're still focused on what us, aka the client, needs, wants, what's making our life simpler. And yeah, they're using technology. And if anybody's listening to this, isn't a technology wizard by any means. Like, understand, though, there are still ways to do it. In most industries, we are not even close. No industry is not even close to being maximized or tapped out. Or I think even to a certain extent, you know, we talk about the maturity curve so much that so many people are in such an industry that it's almost maxed out. But listen, Airbnb came. Simple things, very simple things. One thing about Amazon business model is that you only go there when you're looking to buy something. The other business model is how do you sell something or get somebody to come to you when they don't even know that they need the product or service that Alex is selling? How do you get that message out, whether it be Alex or Business Soup or any other business that's out there? How do you tell people, hey, you need to look at this because you need this when they're not on the site looking for it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the word that I feel hearing so much in especially in marketing is attention. I, I actually, I, I opened up my email right after January and this is not me taking a, a stance against marketing. This is just me saying, listen, the same marketing message is repeated again and again because some of it works. But let's also be clear that if everybody's doing the same thing, they get in front of the same customer to do all the things, then obviously that customer's hearing noise. And really the person that's going to win is the person who has the most money, aka the biggest business. So if you're trying to grab the attention of a consumer or a customer where you're not the biggest dog, where you don't have the most money, they basically repeat your message a million times in front of the people like Coca-Cola does every single day. Yeah. What do you do? You better make sure that you do something, whether it's your program, whether it's your business, whether it's your branding that makes you stand out. Go left when everybody is going right. Because if you try to go down the path and unless you got the most dollars to spend on getting the person's buy-in and attention, you're never going to be able to beat the big dog in that situation. And that's what most small business, my biggest fight for most small businesses, why are you trying to copy, you know, you used Anthony Robbins and Tony Robbins, like all these coaches coming. Why, why are you trying to copy Tony Robbins? Like that's, that's Tony Robbins. He's doing yeah. that already. Go do your thing. Be different. Be unique. Let's do something different. Actually, we just went out and bought a, a vehicle the other day. And I thought the buying process, it's, it's a really big dealership. I mean, like they were, you know, I mean, there's a couple of dealerships in my Pittsburgh area that I know have been around for years. And they're, this one's pretty new, but they, they've taken the storm. But I could see what they did. They started like every, the whole sales process. I mean, they gave you the lowest price instantly and all that stuff. But their upsells, they had more upsells oh, yeah. than I've ever been on, a, on a, a, anything. I mean, to the point where it's like, 
do I even need insurance? If I just bought everything, could I just do it through you basically? But the point was, is that they literally know, hey, this buying thing, we're gonna give them free oil changes for life, free, you know, like to all these different things. Because if they get the customer, they know that even if they broke even, even if they know broke even, the likelihood that they're gonna get money on the next sale or the next sale or the next sale. Listen, it doesn't have to be anything amazingly outside of the box. It just has to be something that the customer's gonna go, all right, hey, why not? I'm, you're taking the risk, not me. It's very impressive, your delivery, your content, and everything that you have to say and how it can help my audience of small business owners. And Alex, I can't thank you enough for sharing your insights and the fact that you have done this from a very young age and hats off to you. And I can't thank you enough for being on this serving of business soup. Thank you, John. Really enjoyed this conversation. This has been another serving of business soup where business comes for business. I'm John Debevoise, inviting you to visit the website for more servings of what is best in business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.